We are tonight's entertainment. You can't handle the truth. The fire rises. Pizza time. You're a wizard, Harry. So it be. You know how much I sacrifice? You think that's air you're breathing? Groovy. I don't have friends. I got family. We services. Hello, Sophia. Hi, Park. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm good because, Sophia, uh, we'll just jump straight to the chase. Mm-hmm. Cut, cut right to the chase. Um, I just had chips and some leftover guacamole um, with you. Not to spoil what you've been eating most recently. Yeah. But um, I will. I-, I had chips and guacamole as well. Yeah, these this was some leftovers uh, from Thanksgiving. Um, unlike most American families, my family, we don't do the normal mashed potatoes, turkey, gravy stuff. Uh, we do like a themed dinner and like we all cook. And this year it was Mexican food. Um, so we made some guacamole and it was good. Yeah, tasty. Yeah. But what's tastier is this episode we've got cooked up. So, let's cue the intro. Welcome back to Craft Services, where we talk about the movies. Each week we talk about a film, and hopefully have a crew member of that film to talk with us about their experience working on the picture. This week... Who do we have, Sophia? It's Doug Brody in part two of our interview with him. Yeah. Ab- about? Looper. Yes, Sophia totally knows exactly what's happening and is not um, at all just lying in my bed at 11.36 p.m., ready to go to bed and now being forced to record this intro with me. No, not at all. Anyways, um, we weren't watching Gossip Girl. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this is part two of our inter- interview with Doug Brody. He's super cool. Talks a lot about some other movies he worked on. Um, and also about the HBO series, which he wrote and sort of show ran. And his latest book series, which he, the ship saga, which he f- is finally concluding. So without further ado, let's cue the interview. A movie that I am I, I really like, um, American Made, which is directed by Doug oh, Lyman. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, um, Doug Doug Lyman, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, do you have any stories of that? Well, that was his. That's his, that was my first Zoom movie. I think. I think that wow. was the first film I ever did completely on Zoom. We never met. We, I mean, we we met this way, but um, yeah, that was a cool experience. Um, I remember. You know, normally on a page, you do three panels a page or four panels a page, and then they just go up and down and that's it. Doug Lyman did not like that. He wanted them all over like a comic book page. So, <laughs> so it would take me almost twice as long because I would, I, would, I would have to map out to make it look like an interesting like page. The only film I've ever seen anybody want that. Um, they do come out cool at the end, you know. Um, right. So. Cool. Yeah, I mean, he's... Um... I love a lot of his movies, but he seems like um, an interesting guy. Um, he was a very nice guy. He was very interesting. Um, he, um, 
Uh, we were very much, you know, just strictly business just because he had a limited right. amount of time. And, uh, but I, I think I worked with him for a couple months and, um, yeah, no, I thought that film came out good. What I remember about that movie was the first draft was much better. The first draft of that script was fantastic. The first draft, there's a sheriff character in the, in the movie and in the, and, and, and for anybody who knows anything about filmmaking and storytelling and stuff, there's always a midway point And that's sort of like either a, a, a false defeat or a false victory. And the false defeat for, for, for Tom Cruise's character was he witnesses the sheriff murder. And it's a big scene. It was originally a big scene in the movie. And the, and the sheriff was a big character in the first half of the movie originally in the script. And I think it was a spec script that actually got sold on that. That was rare. But it was a spec script, I think. And yeah, there was this great scene where the sheriff died. It was very powerful. And it really shaped a lot on, on how Tom Cruise reacted for the second half of the film. Uh, and that was all cut. Like, that's all gone. None of that's in the movie. It's still a good movie. I'm not knocking. I'm just saying that that original script, it had layers that, that wasn't in the original, that in the final product, because they, they centered it more just completely on Tom Cruise. And originally, the sheriff was a, was a, a much bigger role. Right. Before we get into your book series, which I do want to get to, um, you... I'm just going all the way back. Um, you worked on Planet of the Apes. Um, I did for Tim Burton. And what was that like? Uh, well, that was my big break. Okay. So I did House on a Hill, and then I did nothing for I I I, I I I I took some PA work, like I said, with Playboy and this and that, and I was trying to figure out what to do. And um, I did some free jobs for a guy named Russell Bobbitt, who I mentioned earlier. I later worked on with Iron Man and Thor, and um, I had done some free storyboards for him. Um, and I didn't know who he was. I was just trying to get some experience and he, he had been going through artists left and right because Tim Burton was not accepting any of when you do prop illustration or concept art, you know, you do a bunch of drawings, you put them up on a wall. And then on a Friday, the director comes in and goes, I'll take this, this, and this. He doesn't take anything. You're gone. And that happened to him multiple times where he wasn't getting anything approved. Um, so I came in and he asked, you know, do you know anything about Planet of the Apes? So I, I did a drawing. There's a, it was based on um, in Conan the Barbarian, the original. There are no sequels or remakes. The original. There's a scene where this giant helmet falls off this dead body and crumbles, and that's where Luke, uh, uh, Conan finds his sword. And that helmet was really cool. And I, so I decided, well, what if I made that out of bones and I put it on, a, on an ape's head? And so I drew that up, and I didn't have a portfolio really at that time. And I, but I brought that drawing in, and I got hired off of that drawing. And then what I did for Planet of the Apes was he had just done um, Nightmare on Nightmare Before Christmas. And I kept noticing that curl everywhere. There's like this curl. If you look at it, it's throughout that movie. It's everywhere. So what I did was everything I designed, I just put the curl in it. And they all got approved. Like the first week, I must have gotten like 30 pictures approved. <laughs> so Russell was loving me after that because like everything got approved. And it was really just because I had the curl. In fact, I would put up other versions. So I, if I was doing like forks, because we would do silverware for the, the, the apes. If we did forks, I, I, I had three different designs and two of them would be cool, but they wouldn't have the swirl. And then the one in the middle, I made sure to put the swirl in there. And that was always the one that got approved every single time. It's so. a funny thing <laughs> yeah so you know that's what i remember about it. and then you know um yeah so that was about it i i only talked to him a few times he was very um more aloof than most directors you know most directors um that i've worked with 
remind me are, are have to be very personal because their whole goal is to get you on their side so that you want to do the best work for them possible. And Tim Burton, while a great director, was at least at that time in 1999 or 1998, whenever we made that, I remember thinking he was a bit more aloof. But it might also have been because I was very young and I was more nervous. So, you know, uh, I probably wouldn't have that relationship with them now if I worked with them. I'm sure it'd be much more casual or whatever. Definitely. And then what was, um, to get back to Forbidden Science, like doing your own show, like what was what was well, that Well, that was like? a lesson into why I should write books and not shows. So okay. what happened was, here's the thing. I've actually sold and, and optioned a whole bunch of scripts over the years after that show. Um, but what had happened was I had had a script that got optioned a few times, um, including once by Christopher Columbus, who did do the first movie. And um, that's actually my next book. I've been adapting that into my next book that comes out next summer. Um, called Shelley. But um, so that script got me a lot of attention and HBO had Cinemax and they wanted a, a, uh, a sexy kind of side. They wanted a sexy show and, and everything that they were doing, a buddy of mine was doing was just literally like, Whoa. so I was like, well, what if I, I was over like Christmas break or something. And I was just like, well, why don't I, I saw a Bill O'Reilly thing and he was talking about cloning. And I thought, oh, that's an interesting idea. So I wrote a pilot, a 30-minute uh, pilot, um, and it was originally called Kinky Science. And it was like a fun take on like um, like Frankenstein, but with cloning. And, and um, it was about a, 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 this guy brings his wife back from the dead, and in reality, he's trying to get something from her downloaded memories, um, a, a code. And um, so HBO, who owns Cinemax, they really liked it. And they called me when I said, like, when I was on Star Trek, they greenlit the show. And then that gave me like three months to write the entire season. So I, I wrote the entire season except for two episodes. I wrote 11 out of 13 episodes um, in three months. And then they went and they made it. And it was always supposed to be a sexy show. It was always supposed to be, you know, kind of fun and tongue in cheek and a few boobs here and there. But they went way overboard. <laughs> I mean way to overboard. And I was like, okay, that's not what I had originally envisioned. I had not envisioned it to this degree. Um, so although I am, was, it was the most fun I ever had, at least up until I had a family and everything, uh, watching my show being created, the, the edits made it much more, much, 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 much more sexual than I expected. So, I mean, it's a total skinamax now and it wasn't originally intended to be quite that skinamax. Um, so uh, for those of you young who don't even know what Skinamax was, Skinamax was like the Cinemax late night. Everybody just called it Skinamax is a joke. Um, so anyway, after that, and then I, I sold a couple scripts um, after that, and you'd get paid all this money, and then it would end up on the shelf. In fact, I, I'm in the process of selling another script right now, and you know maybe it'll get made, but you know I care more about the upfront money because I get a bigger check if it goes into production, but that never seems to happen. So um, that's why I went into book writing is that, you know, um, I wanted to save my best ideas for my books um, because I wanted them to be read by people. Like you can, you can, you can get $25,000 advance on a book. I'm sorry, on a script, which is what I'm getting right now, actually for this project, I'm getting 20 for this one, but you can get a, an advance or whatever. And then if they, if they make it, you'll get more, but maybe 10 people have read that script. I would, I might make, you know, 10,000. I don't know what I made on my first book, The Ship probably more than 10,000, but you know, it's not nearly, but I'm getting all these people to read it. And that's really at the end of the day, what I care about. I mean, as far as making money, I have my storyboards for that. So the writing is much more of a passion. 
and we do Comic-Con, like we do LA Com- Comic-Con, which is December 1st through 3rd. We've done that for the last two years. We're doing it for the third year and third book, um, which just came out. Um, we're doing that in a couple weeks. Um, we did um, Vegas Con recently. Um, in fact, they gave us a free booth in return for doing some, um, you know, publicity and stuff about MCU and we're talking, doing those panels or whatever um, for Star Trek and MCU and things like that. And then we did something called Alien Con, which who knew that was a thing, but there's actually a thing called Alien Con. And uh, we did very well at that. <laughs> You'd be surprised how many people asked me if my books were based on a true story, though. I was like, no. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so I mean, you know, the show was, the show was a good learning exercise. You know, if you're going to go into screenwriting, I would tell you, don't get married to that script because you can turn in one thing and you'll get a completely different product if, you, if it does get made. They can pay you money and may not even get made. So, right. Um, so, speaking of your book writing career, um, would you like to talk about uh, your series, The Ship Saga? Sure. Um, let's see. So, there are three. The first book was actually written during COVID, um, but I had had the idea since um, 2011, and I had been pitching the idea. And the idea of the first one is a young waitress wakes up inside a crashed UFO 35 years after she was abducted. And um, she hasn't aged, but outside the ship, her fiance is now a 60-something-year-old 60, 60 man. And he and the military are trying to get into the wreckage to see if anybody survived because the ship just appears. It doesn't crash. It just literally appears. So the trees are sort of growing through it. You know, um, It's almost as if God had created the landscape and the ship was always there. Um, and so she and a few survivors are trying to get out. And there might have been some genetic manipulation going on. And so they may not be quite as human as they were. Um, and then the second book, for reasons I can't get into, Casey ends up in 1957, right after Sputnik launched. And um, uh, it deals with Area 51. It deals with the Roswell crash back in the late 40s and all of that. Um, and then the one that just came out, um, Children of the Ship, is the end of the saga. Each book stands on its own. But the third one is takes place in 2038 and then the far, far, far future. Um, and it deals with... Um, I don't know what I can say about the third one. It deals with the end of everything, the end of time, the end of the universe, end of everything. So that's sort of what the third one's about. And actually my daughter's on the cover of the third one. So oh, awesome. I made her super creepy. And so she's excited. She's going to do um, signatures at Comic-Con and stuff. So she's, she's excited about that. So Yeah. So the first book, The Ship, uh, they're all available on Amazon. Um, the audiobook for the third one comes out in a couple weeks. Um, they're all they're, the first two audiobooks are available for those that like it, and you can find them all on Amazon. Um, I've been very lucky, fortunate that the first one, the ship, is has done uh, quite well. So um, you know, but the series is now done, and I'm moving on to other things. Awesome. Um, so, is are there any projects um, that you're currently working on that you're able to talk about, whether it's books or movies or whatever? Uh, well, I'm working on. I'm starting a movie on Monday. I don't know what the name of it is, though. Sometimes when you work on a film, they actually don't know the title yet, um, and that seems that's um, I think an independent movie because the the strike just ended, so like the big movies haven't aren't going to really gear up until January, February. So I'm going to do that for about a month. Um, and then I'm working on a book. I mentioned earlier that I had a script that got optioned by a bunch of people, including Chris Columbus. Um, and that is now being turned into a novel called Shelley. Um, it was originally called Sentient, the script. Um, but um, the, the book is going to be called Shelley. And um, it's uh, about a, a synthetic investigator who's 
um, investigating the murder of a U.S. senator. And so it deals a lot with like rights issues and, and things like that. And I also took a crack at the whole um, I wanted I wanted to explore that there's the the, the, the the pronoun thing going on. So I, I like the idea that Shelly considers herself an it and not a she because mm-hmm. it's got the body of a she, but it's a machine. Right. It doesn't view itself in that in a sexual term. Um, so I found that really interesting. And so I added that um, to the story that already existed. You know, because obviously the script already existed. Um, but I, I found that to be an interesting idea. And that was one of the reasons I, I wanted to make that my next books. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so the we have a big kahuna final question, um, yes. which is just what's the last great movie you watched? Great movie. Great yeah, it, can, it can be a rewatch or a new watch. Um, either is fine. I don't know about great. I really... Two nights ago, I saw The Last Voyage of the Demeter, mm. which I really Dracula on a boat. Until the ending. The ending was awful. Awful ending. Like, seriously, if you're going to watch this movie, just stop like 10 minutes before the ending. But I thought that was... A, I thought that was really well done. I thought that was a brilliant idea to take a chapter, chapter seven from Dracula, and make the whole movie just on chapter seven. And then they completely screwed it up at, at the end. Because you can't contradict the book. That's the only rule you have, and they they, they contradict the book. Um, so I, I didn't love I didn't love the ending of that, but I thought it was really good. Um, I thought Prey was really good. Um, that that um, Predator reboot. I thought that was really good. Again, I didn't love the ending, but that's just like the last five seconds. Like you know, I I, I thought that they, they they really wanted to play up the at the end about how she's an inspiration to the other Indian girls or. Native American girls or whatever. I'm like, I didn't think they needed that. I thought it was, it was apparent in the character that, that, that she was a strong, uh, intelligent woman. I don't think they, they needed to hit it on the head. They, Hollywood loves to hit it on the head at the end. Um, I'm trying to think of any great movies though. Like I, I can't remember the last like amazing movie. You know, some of my favorite films of all time are, um, I really love the original Conan the Barbarian that I mentioned. Um, Wrath of Khan is a great movie. Um, you know, Empire Strikes Back, you know, um, you know, the movies that oh, the thing is something that we were just watching again recently. John Carpenter's the thing. Interesting. Howard Hawks original was really good, too. If you haven't seen that one, it, it's really it's, it's absolutely worth. Yeah, it, it's absolutely worth seeing. Um, it's not nearly as good as John Carpenter's, but I mean, it's for its time. It's a, it's exceptional. Um, you know, I can't think of anything. Fantastic though. They don't make uh, Oppenheimer. I did not think was fantastic. Everybody loved Oppenheimer, but me. I thought it was. I thought you could edit that movie down to two hours and be fantastic. Because everything that was on the military base, I thought was fascinating. Everything with him going back and forth with the senator, I'm like, I just, I just didn't care. I mean, I was much more interested in how did they build the bomb and and that whole stuff with the military was fantastic. So I, you know, but I know everybody else doesn't agree. Everybody thinks it's like the best movie of the year. So. No. Um, but yeah, I mean, those are all great, um, movies that you mentioned. Um, I love the thing as well. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Doug Brody for coming on the show to talk about your work on. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. What an interview. I really liked it. What about you? It was great. He's cool. She's not heard it. 
So, uh, but I have because I did it, and it was actually very great, uh, as you would know if you finish the interview and are listening to this right now. To be fair, I listened to parts of part one. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Anyways, um, thank you so much to Doug Brody for coming on. Again, such a hastily done uh, interview, and I think it went turned out pretty well. Um, you can uh, check us out on all your major podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, uh, Google Podcasts, if that still exists. I'm not sure that it does. Uh, we are also on Instagram and Twitter. Those are our two social media platforms, and you can check out uh, all of our updates over there. Next week will be a discussion of Looper with front of the show at this point, Trent Elkair. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, he's never seen it before, so we're going to have to schedule a time for the two of us to hang out and record. But until next time, XOXO, you know you love me. It's Parth. It's, um, we're going to go back to watching Gossip Girl. Bye, guys. <laughs>